Ready for provocative conversation, intriguing stories, and inspiration? Then don't touch that dial. Welcome to Talk with Francesca. She'll give you something to talk about all week long. Now, here's Francesca. What if you took the time to really soak it in? Hi, everyone. Welcome to Talk with Francesca. I'm Francesca, your host, and very, very interesting guest with us this evening. Uh, before we get started, if you want to chime in or comment on the show or my guest or the topic, which is anxiety this evening, you can send me an email at info at talkwithfrancesca.com and there is no H in Francesca. And if you want to learn more about the show, visit my website at talkwithfrancesca.com. You can also visit my iTunes page where there are hundreds of other episodes. And if you should miss part of the show, you can obviously listen to it there as well. All right. This portion of Talk with Francesca is sponsored by Jennifer Powell. If you are starting to notice fine lines and wrinkles, stubborn fat that won't go away, perhaps your body's trying to tell you something. Jennifer Powell RN has just the remedy for you, and you can visit her at jlprn.com to schedule your complimentary consultation today. Jennifer and her team of specialists look forward to helping you understand your beauty from within, and in just a short couple of weeks, you're going to be able to see her. All right, we are going to get rolling. Is your life filled with terrible mistakes that never happen? More than ever, with all that's happening around us with this pandemic, it seems so many are filled with anxiety and fear. And women experience anxiety twice as much as men. And I did not know this. Is it biological or something we create within ourselves? Well, with us tonight is Dr. Todd Pressman. He is the author of Deconstructing Anxiety, which I enthusiastically endorse. He has a unique understanding of the many manifestations of fear and has a systematic approach for recognizing your core fear. And, of course, we're going to talk tonight about how to overcome that fear. So big welcome to you, Todd, to talk with Francesca. Great to have you. Thank you so much. It's quite a pleasure to be here. So you've had some unique training, and in 1982 you traveled around the world to study with the great wisdom traditions, spending time with a Zen master in the monastery of Kyoto, and a whole lot more. But rather than me go through it, why don't you just briefly tell our listeners a little bit about your experiences. Firewalking is really like, whoa! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it does make for some interesting conversation. Well, This was a remarkable journey I took in 1982, so I guess I'm dating myself a bit, but uh, I was hot in pursuit of my own solutions to the troubles of, you know, what it is to be human, and uh, anxiety, as we'll discuss, is really, I think, central to that. But in this journey, I sought out, as you said, a Zen master in uh, the um, famous monastery in Ryoanji, Japan, so... That uh, is something your listeners might know about when they think about the beautiful Zen rock gardens mm. that they've seen. They're mm-hmm. all based on this one in Ryuanji, and it, it was a teaching device for helping us understand that from whatever vantage point, we couldn't see all of the rocks in the garden. And that's a metaphor for reality. We always have some aspect of reality that's a little bit hidden and mysterious. 
But what we're going to be talking about today is how to find those hidden uh, pieces of reality that fill in the puzzle and make our lives whole. Uh, a couple of the other experiences on the trip were with a, a Zoroastrian high priest outside the fire temples of Mumbai. And this is quite a, an imposing figure who absolutely exuded love, and that was his path to wholeness and spirituality, you know, do good deeds and have good thoughts and so forth, all based on love. And then, as you, as you said, the firewalkers in Sri Lanka were quite remarkable as well. And, uh, you know, these guys literally were transcending the laws of physics by walking on burning coals. And um, it was quite an experience as well. Wow. So, Todd, I'm aware that when um, you experience anxiety, our brain sends a message to our body that we're in some kind of intense danger, when in reality we are obviously physically safe. I mean, like, you know, we know turbulence is quite normal and doesn't indicate that there's something wrong with the plane, usually anyway. But yet our anxiety sends us into fight-or-flight mode and can really physically ramp us up. Is, Is there more to anxiety than this? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> As a psychologist, I have a bit of a mission to understand that before the biology comes to psychology, in other words, it's our thoughts that make our experience even more than our bodies or external reality. You know, these things, our bodies and external reality, have their impact for sure, but why is it that everybody responds in their own unique way to the same external sources. So if I have an illness, I might get anxious where somebody else says, you know, it's in God's hands. Or somebody else might say, the doctor will take care of it. But that psychology determines our entire, not only response to the situation we're struggling with, but our whole way of seeing the world and ourselves. So to understand why it is that we respond the way we do is central for overcoming the problems that we face. Mm. You know, that's very interesting because, uh, you know, with this COVID-19, um, in the beginning, I was really extremely anxious. Not not so much now, but, you know, I was really getting a little crazy. I'd be taking my temperature for no reason or, you know, if I felt a little, you know, warm, um, you know, I would take my temperature and then I realized, wait a minute, I've got my gas fireplace on. That's why it's getting a little hotter in here. You know, I was getting like a little crazed, right? <laughs> So, um, but yet I, you know, I know really where that comes from, Um, you know, in in, um, my mother's family, um, when she was growing up, there was a a very tragic death with one of the children. And so, you know, there's there's always sort of been that fear around death, you know, but yet I can't, I don't recognize the thoughts that are going into my head that make me feel like sort of you know, crazy or neurotic, um, it, they're just, they, it's just sort of an automatic. So where you're saying, you know, you, you're becoming aware of your thoughts, well, what if you're not aware of your thoughts at all? Well, good news. <laughs> in the Deconstructing Anxiety Program, which is what uh, my work is all about, and my new book is called Deconstructing Anxiety, the first and, and most fundamental exercise is called Digging for Gold, and it's devoted precisely to that finding out what is the core fear, the basic hidden thought at the root of all of our problems so that we never have to be mystified again. Whatever it is that you're saying, you know, creates this automatic reaction, not just in you, but every one of us, actually can be deconstructed or understood, broken down and really understood to find that root of the root 
what is it that's triggering us? What is it that's driving us? What are the past experiences that are sort of feeding the present moment that we want to get some awareness of so we have some control over them? Well, I'm going to, you know, just give you a little teeny bit of pushback here just because, you know, I, I know that, you know, when we have issues and, you know, we've heard like, yeah, therapy's great until you kind of get into the thick of things. And then, you know, so understanding where things come from isn't necessarily going to heal the problem. I, you know, it, it's sort of, I'm going to just veer off for one second here. A very old friend just, you know, had a super narcissistic mother and she just loved narcissistic men. And, you know, she said to me once, you know, if I meet up with a narcissistic man, I feel like what's imprinted on my forehead is jump me. <laughs> you know, like she has yeah. to have him, right? She's she's got to have that man, and yet she's and she would say, and I am completely aware of where that comes from, and and I know this is not we're not talking anxiety as I said, I'm veering off for a second, but I mean it's the same thing applies. Like just because you understand something doesn't mean it changes anything, and um, you know, so I'd love to know your thoughts on that, and, and so. How does, how does, well, go ahead. So go ahead. No, it's a great, great question. And two answers. The first one's a little bit of an incidental thing, but I do want to say it, that someone who is attracted to narcissists because their mother was a narcissist, believe it or not, there is a fear behind that as well. I use fear and anxiety interchangeably. And when we deconstruct the problem, why am I attracted to narcissists? According to this digging for gold exercise, which we can go over in a minute, yes, you'll to. find there's a fear at the root of that, and that's what's making her repeat these behaviors that are creating difficulty for her, and she can get some changeover. Now, here's the important answer to your question, and it's a perfect question, nice segue into part two of the program. Uh, you're right. Couldn't agree with you more. It's music to my ears. Insight is not enough. And good therapy isn't supposed to be just about insight. Sometimes it is, but that's another conversation. Insight needs to be combined with action. Why? Because the magic formula to getting free from anxiety and whatever it is that's troubling us is to face the fear. Now, we all know that is a real common idea in popular psychology today. But we have to face the fear in just the right way in strategic ways that get insight into the root of the fear, this core fear we're talking about. Once we see that core fear, then yes, the action we have to take to get healing is to do the opposite of what the fear tells us to do. And of course, doing the opposite does help us face that fear, but you have to do it in strategic ways that are going to really target that core fear And the good news is it doesn't even have to be scary. It can be done very comfortably in your imagination, and you're still going to get freed up to take the actions that show you, yep, this fear has no more power over me anymore. Go give us an example. Oh, wow. (laughs) The sky is the limit. Well, well, how about this? How about the story that I just told you about this friend, right? Let's just go back. I was going to go to her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and, And I can... Sorry, say again? No, I was was just going to say, so go to that example then. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, Because then I get to prove that there's actually a fear underneath that. So if someone grew up with a narcissistic mother and they're attracted to narcissistic men, uh, there could be any number of fears, and I don't want to pretend to know your friend's situation because I'm not working with her, but 
it could be, for instance, that if she didn't um, sort of imprint on narcissists the way she described, then she might have been afraid of losing her mother's love. If I'm not going to embrace my mother's narcissism and look for it in other people, then I run the risk of losing her, right? I don't, underneath it all, really like the narcissism because narcissism is really difficult. Mm -hmm. But I can't afford to uh, express that. I have to sort of fool myself into thinking, I do like narcissists so that I can keep my mother in my life or whatever representation of her as I get older. So that might be one fear. And then what do we do for the opposite? Again, sky's the limit, but it could be to make up an example that we dare to, instead of what narcissists are famous for, um, I'm sorry, the people who are attracted to narcissists are called echoes, right, from the, the Greek myths of narcissus and echo. They cater themselves to the narcissists. They distort themselves to please them, to lose their own identity and sacrifice it to the narcissist. Well, that's a prescription for lots of ways of doing the opposite. I'm not going to sacrifice myself. I'm going to stand up for myself. I'm not going to try to please them. I'm going to ask for them to please me, and so forth and so on. Each time we do this, again, we face our fear, mm. but we discover nothing terrible happens. Well, well what about, well, okay, that, that, that seems reasonable, but you're kind of trying to change a, a leopard's spots. Even though, so you're almost, I almost feel like I'm hearing you say, so you can actually have a relationship with someone who's narcissistic, but you just have to point out to them what it is that now you want. I'm really giving you a hard time here. I'm not meaning to, Todd. But <laughs> Oh, I love it. I okay, love but it. You but I'm just substantiate everything I've spent my life. Okay, on. okay. So you you know, but but you know, so that's what I'm thinking is like. So, but why? Well, first of all, why would you want to be with that kind of person anyway? But let's say that you do because you're attracted to them. But those people don't change. Um, usually, not unless there's a whole lot of work. And you know something? Even with a whole lot of work, again, my feeling is. But these, this is my opinion. But you know, a leopard doesn't. Well, let's say easily change their spots um, because then you're tapping into that person's core personality, right? Absolutely. So, And that's why, uh, first of all, I encourage these challenges because I am here to say that this kind of deep, radical transformation is possible. It's not common. Even therapy... Um, if we look at the meta-analyses that study all the different forms of therapy and their effectiveness. For anxiety, they work maybe 46% of the time. That's not great. Mm -mm. So what is it that's missing? I say that what's missing is a deep insight into the true problem, that core fear that's hidden behind the curtain. I like to use the metaphor of the Wizard of Oz. Oh, right? my gosh. Yeah, you the took the thought right out of my head, man right? in the booth. Yeah, yeah. Right. And we see that it's nothing really scary after all. It's just someone push, pushing the levers and dials uh, that create these automatic reactions. But we can get insight. We can pull that curtain back and see that there's nothing really scary. Now, the insight isn't enough. It has to be combined with action so that after you see there's nothing scary, you test it out in real life. You take these steps that, that your fear says not to take. You do the opposite. And that proves to us in ourselves, in our leopard spots, <laughs> mm -hmm. that there are no real fears in the present 
only ghosts from the past trying to cloud our vision uh, as, as we look out at the world. So deep change <coughs> is possible. What's missing is to get that <coughs> insight into the core fear and then the, the courage to do the opposite as you're able. Uh, there's so much more I could say, but, you know, your, your example is right on again. Narcissists don't change. But the person who's involved with the narcissist, and a narcissist can change too, they have to be motivated. Uh, but the person who's involved with the narcissist can say, I want, I, I happen to be attracted. I don't feel like changing um, what I'm attracted to. I just feel like changing the distress that it's giving me. Uh-huh. Or if they're not, um, uh, after they do this work, they find that that's not attractive to them anymore, then they are free to choose someone else. This is uh, point you, is it's always a choice. Okay, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to talk with Francesca. I'm just I'm speaking to doctor psychologist Dr. Todd Pressman, and we are he is the author of Deconstructing Anxiety. And now this is very funny because I just had a little bit of a an alley. You know, there's like so much pollen in the air, right? So I had a little coughing when you were talking there for a second, and it's like, ah, what does that mean? You know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, you know, where I'm quite certain, you know, that's what it is, because it's like the, the season, the allergy season from hell. But anyway, um, so when we get back, let's, we're going to take a short break. But when we come back, we're going to talk deeper into um, anxiety issues and really deconstructing them. So listeners, stay with us here. Don't go anywhere. More talk with Francesca coming right up on 95.9 WATD. Are you looking for a beautifully landscaped lawn? From lawn maintenance to custom hardscapes, Tobin's Landscaping is the place to call. Why call Tobin's Landscaping? Because simply, they care. Their business has grown over the years by referrals alone. So if you are a property owner who demands the best service without the crazy price tag, you'll want to call Tobin's Landscaping today at 508 562-0823. Their promise to you is they will bring your outdoor vision to life, whether it's yard cleanup or a new walkway. Visit them at TobinsLandscapingLLC.com or call 508-562-0823 and wait for your neighbors to ask, who is taking care of your lawn? You'll be glad you called. Are you starting to notice fine lines and wrinkles, increased anxiety and fatigue, skin laxity, or stubborn areas of fat that just won't budge despite your efforts? What is your body trying to tell you? With the power of Powell, you'll love the skin you're in. Some of the many services Jennifer Powell offers are Botox, Sculptra, Volume Restoration, Laser Hair Removal, Body Contouring, and Skin Tightening. Get to the root of the aging process and back to the best version of you, together. It's a fresh start with the power of Powell because with Jennifer, it is more than skin deep. For your convenience, she has two locations, one in Kingston and her new location in Hanover in Merchants Row. Call 781-605-5699 or visit her at jlprn.com to schedule your complimentary consultation today. Jennifer and her team of specialists look forward to helping you understand your beauty from within. 
It's vital for dogs of all ages to have an understanding of socially acceptable behavior. And the folks at A Fox and Hound Harborside understand just that. The dedicated staff is well-trained in a variety of services to enrich your pooch's well-being. A Fox and Hound Harborside offers puppy socialization and enrichment programs to help your new furry friend learn commands and leash behavior. Located on Lincoln Street in Hingham, call 781-385-7369 today. A Fox and Hound Harborside, where dogs go to find their direction. Hi, this is Santina, owner of Stage of a Success. Did you know that staging is one of the best things you can do to sell your home faster and for more money? Beat your competition with beautiful online photos to show the home's full potential and attract more prospective buyers. I own all my own furniture and accessories, which makes it more affordable. Call me at 617-571-3803 or visit my website at stageitforsuccess.com and make a great first impression. Helping dogs and people with any behavior problem is what Coach Mike does best. Mike tailors each training plan individually, as each dog and their humans are individuals. Incorporating many different training techniques based on positive training methods and dog psychology, he's able to modify and change behaviors that are needed in our busy human world to ensure your dog is well-balanced and trusted. Mike has even been recommended by the vet at Marshfield Animal Hospital. Follow him at City Living Dog on all social media. Visit Mike today and you'll be on your way to having a well-behaved pet. Visit Mike today at CityLivingDog.com. You'll be thrilled with the results. Now for more talk with Francesca on 95.9 WATD. All right, we are back. And I am speaking with psychologist Dr. Todd Pressman. He's the author of Deconstructing Anxiety. He has spent a lifetime try it learning and teaching us all about anxiety and we are ver- so very lucky to have him with us this evening and he has a systematic approach for recognizing your core fear uh welcome back todd thank you so um what let me think what i want to ask you here so wh- how do we how do we turn that dial and and so that it isn't even it isn't <sighs> How can I put this into words? So that it doesn't, it, it really makes sense. Because I'm really still having trouble, you know, sort of dialing down what you're saying and thinking, okay, we do this. But if we go back to that, say, example of the woman who was attracted to the narcissist. Well, let's say that she wanted to go a different path and say, hey, it's time for a really nice guy. But the thing is, then she wouldn't be attracted to that guy. She told me so. Yeah. Uh, Wilhelm Wright, if any of your listeners know that name, he was... Freud's heir apparent at first, Mm -hmm. and then he got a little bit bigger, (laughs) too big for Freud, I would say, and uh, it's kind of a sad story what happened to him, but he was quite a genius, and he was the guy that developed the whole concept of character armoring. I'm going a little bit on a tangent, but I'll get back to your point. That's okay. That's okay. Where the body stores emotions, right? Right. And I had a friend who actually uh, was a student of his, a a patient of his for many years. And uh, this friend said unequivocally, Reich changed my sexuality. Now, that's going to your point because that's one of the things, there are plenty of them, like your automatic reaction to coughing because of allergies. What if it's corona, right? These things seem to be so automatic and out of our control. But I stand relentlessly on my point, that, and happily on my point, to 
uh, give the good news, so to speak, that these things can be changed. My friend's sexuality was changed, and the person who's attracted to the narcissist can change. The narcissist themselves can change, and the leopard can change its spots if we get the right insight into this core fear. It's really not so mysterious. And there are plenty of, you know, masters in, again, the wisdom traditions that have proven this by their, their lives. They, mm-hmm. Their lives are their messages, as Gandhi said. So we can understand what's really going on behind the scenes, and a good insight can do wonders. Freud proved that. But insight combined with action is the real cure when we discover by taking this action against our fear, nothing terrible happens. So would your listeners, do you think it's a good time to go through that finding your core fear exercise? Definitely. Okay. It's nice and simple and, as you say, streamlined, which is one of the benefits of it, I think. And what used to take years on the couch, (laughs) we can do in just a few minutes um, to really get that insight into what's going on behind the scenes. Of course, it needs to be repeated, but here's the process. We take any problem, doesn't matter what the problem is, doesn't have to look like an anxiety problem. Any problem is going to come from this core fear, so it's fine to pick and choose whatever we'd like. Put that problem, as if you're writing it down, on the top left of a page. Make it a short, single phrase, like, I don't have enough money. Also make sure that it's stated as a problem. So someone says, I like money, and the implication is they don't have enough of it. It's not yet stated as a problem. We need to put it in the form of, I don't have enough money, that's a problem. And the reason we need to state it as a problem is so that we can take step two in this exercise, which is on the right side of the same line at the top of the page. You ask one of three questions about that problem. And the questions are, I'll say them slowly so people can break them down if they'd like. Number one, why is that upsetting to me? Why is that problem upsetting to me? Number two, what am I afraid would happen next? What am I afraid would happen next? What am I afraid this would lead to as the next thing? Number three, what am I afraid I would miss or lose? Now, a core fear is always going to be some universal theme of loss, something that's taken away from us, that robs us of our wholeness and our completion, our our fulfillment. Mm -hmm. So what am I afraid I'll miss or lose? Now, we ask whichever of those three questions we want, whichever one seems like it'll yield the, the best answer. doesn't matter which one, really. And the answer goes on line two on the left side of the page underneath line one. So we've got the problem we started with on line one, and the answer to why is that upsetting to me, or why am, what am I afraid I'll, will happen next, or what am I afraid I'll miss or lose, the answer to that goes underneath the first problem, and it's one layer deeper, closer to the core fear. It's still a problem but it's closer to the core fear. And then we ask one of those three questions on the right, line two on the right. Answer goes on line three on the left. We get one level deeper, one level closer to the core fear, and we keep doing this back and forth until we get to what we're sure is the core fear. Now, how do you know you're at the core fear? A couple of ways. First of all, it's going to look like one of the five universal themes of loss which characterize all of our core fears. There are five basic core fears. You want to guess what the first one is? Abandonment? 
Absolutely. That's the one always that uh, comes up, number one. Fear of abandonment or loss of love, right? Mm. Number two, the fear of losing our identity. Who am I really? And how many people suffer from a loss of identity, like covering up their true selves with layer after layer after layer of masks and personas mm -hmm. that rob us of our freedom to be who we are. Number three is the loss of meaning. I don't have any meaning. I don't have any value or worth. The world doesn't mean anything. It's all empty and meaningless. Number four, loss of purpose. A little bit different than meaning. Purpose is where we take our meaning and we express it out into the world. We take our value, who we are, and share it, make our contribution, make a difference. We need this as a fundamental part of being human. And the fifth, of course, is the fear of death, which, uh, again, we all have all five of these, and mm -hmm. death is a big one, mm -hmm. because it seems like it'll take away our opportunity for fulfillment in love, identity, meaning, and purpose. So that's going to be one of, uh, our core fear is going to look like one of those, oh, might have yeah. different language to it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the other way to know you're at the core fear is you can't keep asking those questions, those three questions, to get a new answer. You keep getting the same answer because there's no deeper layer to go. And the, the final way is that usually when we get insight into our core fear, it's a, a miraculous moment where we say, whoa, I've just seen something that explains my whole life why I've made the decisions I've made, how I got to be who I am and where I am. And that, again, is the beginning of tremendous power to make change, especially when it's combined with action. Can, just interject here for a second, Todd, can you, so the, the listeners pick up the book and actually do this themselves, or is this too complicated to do on your own? No, 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 no. <laughs> I hope that I... Uh, I've made it simple enough for anybody. The, the book is designed as a self-help manual, so all the exercises are in there and very thoroughly and clearly laid out. I think they're really simple to follow. Okay. All right. All right. So um, you say that the core fear is always accompanied by a chief defense. What is that chief defense? Sure. Um, again, perfect timing. <laughs> Thank you. So let's look at an imaginary scenario. A baby comes out of the womb into a loving family. Everything is wonderful. All of its needs are met. She's happy. She's whole. She's fulfilled, peaceful, just full of joy. And, you know, that's like one of the great experiences of life when you're around a baby because we, we remember that feeling, right? Mm -hmm. um, then, inevitably, something comes along. It's a fear, right? Something happens that scares the baby and makes them understand the world is not the perfectly safe place I thought it was. That moment is so intolerable for the infant. I mean, they don't have any life experience to say, oh, it's okay, it's not so bad, it'll pass. This is life and death to them. For instance, mom leaves the room for a moment. Well, the baby doesn't know it's not forever, and they think their lifeline to survival is gone. They're terrorized, absolute trauma. Is that what's going on with and my puppy? <laughs> I beg your pardon? I said, is that, is that what's going on with my little new puppy? <laughs> <laughs> could be. Could He's terrified. Be. He's terrified when I leave the room. It's horrible. But anyway. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, we all have this, right? That's fear of abandonment right there. Mm. But hopefully, <laughs> in a good family, if the baby screams, the mom comes running back into the room. So what happens in that moment? Two things. First, they buy into their core fear. 
oh, my gosh, this is how the world can be dangerous. I can be abandoned. And not everybody goes to abandonment. Somebody else says, I'll lose my identity, right? Mom's not mirroring me or dad's not uh, giving me the approval that I want. Um, then in the, the, the next moment, the second thing that happens is we land on a chief defense. What's a chief defense? It's our way of protecting ourselves from our core fear. We have to find a solution. We can't stand it otherwise. So, again, the baby screams. Mom comes running back into the room. All is well. And the baby learns, if I scream or in other ways, you know, make a big clamor and draw attention to myself, that works. I'm going to do that again and again. And they do it through their lives. The rest of their lives are going to be informed by the core fear, our understanding of how the world can be scary, and our chief defense, our best idea for how to save ourselves from that. Of course, it takes on many, many different forms and disguises, gets more and more sophisticated throughout our lives, but this builds our entire personality. I am made up of my core fear, my chief defense, any moment that I'm not feeling completely me, whole and fulfilled, and in my center of truth. So it's either fulfillment or fear and defense. Every moment, that makes up who we are and how we're going about in the world. Again, lots of power when we get our hands on these two things to make change. Right. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Talk with Francesca. I'm speaking with Dr. Todd Pressman. He has written a book called Deconstructing Anxiety. We do need to take another short break. But when we come back, I'd like to talk about doing the opposite, you say, is the master key to dissolving anxiety. So listeners, stay with us here. Lots more to come. This is Talk with Francesca. I'm Francesca Luca. We'll talk more in just a bit on 95.9 WATD. Tides is beachside dining at its best, all year round. Located at the end of the Nahant Causeway, directly on Nahant Beach, the ocean views from the dining room in the pub can't be beat. Tides specializes in casual dining with food that's delicious, not pretentious. On a warm day, enjoy a frosty pint at their bar or their sun-drenched deck on Nahant Beach. Or enjoy an incredible meal in their dining room anytime. Tides guarantees you great atmosphere with superior service. The menu at Tides is full of fresh, high-quality seafood, prime rib, chicken, pasta, and pizza that everyone will love. Check out the drink menu at Tides for fun cocktails, 30 ice-cold beers on tap, and their well-rounded wine list with state-of-the-art tap wines. Tides is unbeatable anytime, summer or winter, lunch or dinner, rain or shine. Visit tidesnahant.com. Are you looking for a beautifully landscaped lawn? From lawn maintenance to custom hardscapes, Tobin's Landscaping is the place to call. Why call Tobin's Landscaping? Because simply, they care. Their business has grown over the years by referrals alone. So if you are a property owner who demands the best service without the crazy price tag, you'll want to call Tobin's Landscaping today at 508 562-0823. Their promise to you is they will bring your outdoor vision to life, whether it's yard cleanup or a new walkway. Visit them at TobinsLandscapingLLC.com or call 508-562-0823 and wait for your neighbors to ask, who is taking care of your lawn? You'll be glad you called. Looking for an authentic Italian meal in an intimate setting? Then you might just want to venture out to Boston this weekend and dine at Terramia Ristorante a true gem among all those rhinestones in Boston's North End. 
This cozy tutorial with stucco walls and beam ceilings specializes in creative interpretations of Italian classics. Like the cuisines here, the atmosphere is elegant yet understated. Since opening in 1993, Terramia Ristorante has aimed to convince diners that there's always more to Italian food than just red sauce. Over the years, the innovative and beloved restaurant has done a great deal of convincing, and best of all, it's reasonably priced. This best-kept secret is worth the trip. Call 617-523-3112 or visit terramiarestaurante.com. Your pets are family. Take your dog to the Dog's Den in Pembroke. Your furry friend will go from smelling crummy to yummy because Leah at the Dog's Den really cares. Whatever your pet's needs are, from dematting to extra scissoring, the Dog's Den in Pembroke has your furry friends covered. So call the Dog's Den today at 781-826-7008 or visit thedogsdengrooming.com. Located in Boston's North End holds one of our best-kept secrets, Antico Forno, ranked number nine of the top ten Italian restaurants around the world within the category of being one of the most authentic. With a welcoming family feel, it's hard to argue the experience you have when enjoying dinner at Antico Forno. Best known for their brick oven pizza, their world-class traditional cuisine does not fall far behind. Come enjoy dinner at Antico Forno and feel like part of the family. Open daily from 11.30 a.m. until 10 p.m. Call us today at 617 or visit us at AnticoFornoBoston.com. Cobblestone Cafe on Hanover Street in Boston brings casual, on-the-go American fare to the North End, serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Open daily at 7 a.m., Cobblestone Cafe offers burgers, barbecue, salads, fries, milkshakes, seafoods, and the very popular Snickerdoodle iced coffee. Delivery and catering are also available Cobblestone Cafe, 227 Hanover Street in Boston. For more information, call 857-263-8057 or visit them online at cobblestonecafene.com. Hi, this is Sientina, owner of Stage of a Success. Did you know that staging is one of the best things you can do to sell your home faster and for more money? Beat your competition with beautiful online photos to show the home's full potential and attract more prospective buyers. I own all my own furniture and accessories, which makes it more affordable. Call me at 617-571-3803 or visit my website at stageitforsuccess.com and make a great first impression. Helping dogs and people with any behavior problem is what Coach Mike does best. Mike tailors each training plan individually, as each dog and their humans are individuals. Incorporating many different training techniques based on positive training methods and dog psychology, he's able to modify and change behaviors that are needed in our busy human world to ensure your dog is well-balanced and trusted. Mike has even been recommended by the vet at Marshfield Animal Hospital. Follow him at City Living Dog on all social media. Visit Mike today and you'll be on your way to having a well-behaved pet. Visit Mike today at citylivingdog.com. You'll be thrilled with the results. You're listening to Talk with Francesca. I'm Francesca Luca. The talk continues on 95.9 WATD. All right, we are back and I am speaking with Dr. Todd Pressman, author of Deconstructing Anxiety. Welcome back, Todd. Thank you, Francesca. So let's talk about doing the opposite. You say it's the master key to dissolving anxiety. So tell us more. Sure. So we were discussing before the break about the two big parts of our personality, the core fear, which is how we understand that life can be scary or dangerous, 
and the chief defense, our whole behavioral repertoire for making sure that core fear doesn't come and get us, how to make ourselves feel safe and secure. If we're going to get freedom from these things, because, in fact, they do create our problems, all defenses backfire, right? They make the thing that they were supposed to protect us from. Then we've got to do the opposite of that defense. If it's backfiring, we want to take the reverse step. So instead of saying, I'm going to run away from my fear, I'm going to try and control it, I'm going to manipulate others so they don't scare me, or whatever it is that we do, Right. we want to practice exactly the opposite of that. As we said earlier in the program, that's how we discover that the fear can't really hurt us. We have to test it out, even if it's just in our imaginations, to, to live through it, get to the other side, and see that it didn't, it didn't destroy us, it didn't even harm us. Most of our problems are just made-up, faulty ideas from childhood or somewhere else in the past, long ago past. And even if there is some problem, it's not going to look like what our fear said it was. Fear says it's going to be a cataclysm. All the terrible things that can go wrong will go wrong, and all at once, right? Mm -hmm. We instead find, at most, a manageable problem, one thing to deal with at a time, and something we can deal with. So again, this is the good news. When we deconstruct anxiety, do the opposite of our chief defense, we really can get free. Uh, It takes that kind of courage and determination to go through the fear all the way. Right. That takes a lot of, uh, well, first it takes the will, then you have to have the courage and obviously the strength. Can you tell us about some of the other techniques in your program? You've got the alchemist, the witness, and the warrior stance. Absolutely. These are different ways of doing the opposite. But let me just uh, reference what you just said. It takes courage and commitment, yes. (laughs) But there are two ways to work with that problem. One is that our pain, right, our suffering can be so great that it motivates us because none of us are where we need to be in terms of feeling our wholeness and our fulfillment. We really want more out of life, and it is possible. So, Sometimes it's pain that drives us there. Sometimes it's just a longing for all that we can be, and that's a much more pleasant way to do it. But also, it's really not so hard with these exercises. Again, most of them are done in imagination, which is still a way of taking action, and they feel surprisingly safe and comfortable. I've never had someone in 33 years as a psychologist say, this is too much for me. So let's talk about the alchemist, the witness, and the warrior stance. These are the big three exercises for doing the opposite of the chief defense. In the alchemist, we take that question from the digging for gold exercise, what am I afraid will happen next, and we play it out. So we're watching a movie screen of our problem. We see ourselves on the screen in real time and space living through our problem. And then we want to watch that movie as it unfolds all the way. The big problem with with therapies or self-help programs that don't get us where we need to go is that they don't go through the fear all the way. So we're watching this movie of our problem or our fear come true play itself out all the way. Now, there's going to be a point at which, of course, we reach our core fear, because that's what's underneath every problem. Then we live through that all the way. And there's a really nifty uh, shortcut we can take, which I describe in the book, that 
that is to imagine you're living through that scenario for an hour, and that feels interminable, but you settle in. Then you expand it to five hours and to a day, and that day expands into a week and a month and a year, and we keep going through a major timeline all the way out to billions and billions of years. Now, it doesn't work if you just discuss it quickly like this, but when you live through it, what happens inevitably, and your listeners can understand this, it makes logical sense at least, when we're living through a problem that we're so preoccupied with and so obsessed with and so upset about over billions and billions of years, and we're really imagining putting ourselves there, it has to dissolve. There's no way that our fear can sustain itself and seem so important in the face of eternity, right, Mm -hmm. or the face of infinity. So when we really live through it all the way, it has to dissolve. And that's the alchemist. Real briefly, the witness is a a sort of enhanced mindfulness technique that changes, does the opposite of Mm -hmm. our fear by changing our relationship to it. We notice in the witness the precise moment where we apply our chief defense and the defense backfires, and it creates our tension and our anxiety. And we look at the physical sensation of that feeling, and we let it float there. Instead of pushing it away, we do the opposite, and we let it float there. And we give it more room, more space, more chance to breathe, and just float there quietly, expanding the space around it more and more. I'm going through this very quickly, uh, but again, all the details are in the book, For until we're it's floating in infinite space, what I call the inner cosmos of all of our life experiences. And it becomes perfectly acceptable that this thing, which was filling our screen of consciousness and making us so upset, is just one little floating sensation in an infinite universe of possibilities. Mm -hmm. And that is how we lose the charge of our fear in the witness. Just kind of breathing through it. And then finally the warriors. Say again? Just kind of like breathing through it. Right, rather, well, than like, rather than like attaching to it, but just kind of, almost like when you're doing right. yoga, right? Just kind of breathing through the, you know, like if you do like a yin yoga where you're really sitting with the pose and it's uncomfortable, but you just sort of sit through it and breathe through it and just be with it and kind of notice the feelings rather than like attach to them. Is that what you're saying? It's very good. And attachment, of course, is... Uh, um, from Buddhism, which right. mindfulness comes from, and right. yoga is very related to. So mm-hmm. yes, letting go of attachments. But here's the thing. We're all told to accept, let go of attachments, surrender, and so forth. We need much more precision in how to do so. And that's what these exercises afford. So yeah, we can all get a feeling for breathing through it. But what exactly does that mean? What exactly is happening in the mind when that brings some release? And how do we maximize that to take it all the way and get a complete release? Mm -hmm. That's what these exercises afford. Got it. Okay. Okay. All right. You know, when I think think of mindfulness, though, for whatever reason, I thought it was really more kind of distracting yourself from the, the upsetting feeling and, you know, just kind of letting it go, being in another place so that you don't obsess about what you're obsessing about, right? But that's not it. 
it's um, it's not wrong. There are lots of different aspects to mindfulness, and again, all of these things are kind of out in the general consciousness, but we need to learn how to fine-tune them and really master them. To really find so out what's going on, right? Exactly. Distraction can work, um, you know, in... <laughs> I'm really not thrilled about uh, my profession in this regard. When they say, like, snap a rubber band on your wrist or yell stop in your mind, that's distraction. It's not very powerful. It's not going to take care of anything but the most superficial problems. We need to go down deep, deep, deep to that core fear. And I wouldn't say distract ourselves from it, but I would say find something that draws our attention and our awareness so powerfully onto something else that our attention on the problem dries up. That is a valid technique. That's a way of doing the opposite. There are other ways as well, and this mindfulness technique is not about distraction. It's about allowing, accepting, giving room for things to just be as they are. Like you said in yoga, to breathe through it and Mm -hmm. let it be. Right, 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 right. Okay. All right. And so then the warrior stance. Yes. (laughs) Uh, This is... um, well, the name that's a, that's gives a, it away. Warrior is a yoga pose, right? <laughs> True, but uh, no connection in, in the name in this case. Okay. Um, the warrior stance is, again, a way of doing the opposite of what fear says to do, where we stand like a warrior, unyielding, unwilling to move when our fear says move. You know, our fear says jump, and we ask how high. Mm-hmm. It says it shoots bullets at our feet, and we do our little song and dance automatically. But when we stand resolutely still, refusing to move, physically move, then guess what? Our core fear will come rushing at us, mm-hmm. saying things like, this is foolish, you're going to waste time, you're not going to do something that you've got to do, and all hell could break loose, right? Mm-hmm. When we say, I want my freedom more than fear, and we refuse to move, something truly miraculous happens. In a matter of about three to five minutes, those screaming voices of fear start fading, 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 until they completely disappear and are seen to be pure illusion. Nothing terrible is going to happen if I don't rush around and scurry about according to fear's commands, right, Mm -hmm. to live my life. Only good comes when I say, I'm taking charge of my life. I'm going to decide what's in my best interest in the next moment and not fear. And standing there immovably brings that experience every time in a very short amount of time, and it can be truly Mm life-changing as a result. Todd, how does fear, um, you know, the experience um, of, like, depression and anger play into this? Very good question. Uh, Again, in this model, and I'm uh, eager to prove it or demonstrate it um, to your listeners by asking them to try that core fear exercise on several different problems. Mm -hmm. Because in this model, every problem, no matter what its face looks like, comes down to the core fear. Anger, I like to say, is a forceful way of saying, stop scaring me, right? When we get angry at someone, it's because they're scaring us. They're threatening us. They're taking something away from us, whatever. Mm-hmm. And we're yelling or asserting our um, anger yep. to try and make them stop. 
absolutely. Depression, yeah, depression is a little harder to see, but it's the same thing. And it's not hard to see by going through the, the exercise, the digging for gold. Depression is a defense that says, I'm going to give up. And I don't mean that judgmentally. I'm going to stop trying to fight what I'm afraid of because it's too upsetting, feeling like I can't win. I'm going to just rest, shut down, turn off my awareness to the thing that's scaring or upsetting me. And that is a strategy for protecting ourselves from fear. It doesn't work. All defenses backfire. They make the problem that they were supposed to protect us from. But that's the thinking behind depression. And you can go through any problem people have and find a fear, a core fear at the root. You know, many, many years ago, I never forgot this, a friend of mine said, you know, anger is nothing more than fear. And if you think of, of course, I think underneath anger is a sadness. But the example that he used was very interesting. He said, what happens when you get cut off on the road and you feel like you damn near got killed? You scream. You're angry. Right. Right. Because you're afraid you may have just lost your life. Um, So I think there's definitely some value there. But then I also feel that when people get really angry, it it appears to me that they're angry because they're they're losing their sense of. I don't know. You know, I I don't know. It's just like that, that they're sad, that they're feeling like they're, you know, they're being hurt in some way. You know, I, I'm listening very carefully and agreeing and nodding my head, and then I'm saying that is true for one person, uh, for some people. But we can't ever predict what's actually at the root or the core mm. of someone's problem, because right, everybody's got their own unique spin on it, their own unique core fear. So where one person who's angry as a defense is protecting themselves from a fear of being sad, and then we'll still have to look deeper than the sadness to see what's the core fear underneath that. Right. But say there's sadness underneath their anger. Somebody else isn't sad. They're, um, they're feeling guilty. They're feeling jealous. Right? People get angry out of jealousy. Mm-hmm. People feel angry when they are simply uh, uh, you know, scared in a, a fundamental way. So like the mother whose child disappeared. Uh, and then when the child comes back, they're they're hugging them, they're hugging them, and they start yelling, don't you ever scare right. me like that again, right? <laughs> That's not sadness. That, so everybody's right, got their right, own story. Right, right. And it's just wonderful to go through this core fear, this digging for gold exercise, to find the gold, which explains every problem we have, but it's unique for every person. So we just have about three minutes left, Todd. So I'm going to ask you, is there anything that we haven't covered that you would like to share with our listeners before we say goodbye? (laughs) Well, plenty, of course, but uh, that's why I put it all into a book, and um, I'm eager to share, you know, this this work with everybody, because the, the one message I'd like everybody to take away is what I've said a couple of times. Don't ever believe that there isn't a chance to really get your hands on the controls of what's creating your problems and turn them around into your greatest opportunities for fulfillment. This stuff works. Mm -hmm. We just need the proper insight into that core fear and the proper action in terms of doing the opposite of what our, our fear says to do, doing the opposite of our defense. And we really have the potential then for living the lives we've most wanted to live. No kidding.
No kidding. And the be- the, the summer's coming and the beaches are going to open. It's going to be a great beach read listeners you can pop it in your beach bag and take some deep breaths and enjoy the book so todd pressman author of deconstructing anxiety thanks a million for being with us tonight i really enjoyed the information and uh is there a website that uh, do you have any kind of free ebooks or anything that our listeners can pick up yes to both uh my website is my name toddpressman.com that's t-o-d-d key like peter r-e-s-s-m-a-n.com and I have a free ebook of quotes and stories that can change your life, which I just love to give away. They're so fun, and and they are meaningful. They can really uh, pack a wallop in a good way. So um, just email me through the website. I'll be happy to send that off to you. And uh, yeah, we'll take a look at these quotes and stories. They are fun and helpful. Fantastic. Thanks again, Todd. It's been a pleasure. Most welcome. Thank okay. you, Francesca. All it's great. right. Thanks. All right, it's time to wrap things up and say goodbye. If you missed part of the show, you can shoot on over to my iTunes page, um, and uh, we will see you next week, same time, same place, and um, make it a great week and stay healthy. This is life, don't miss it. Don't miss it.